Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, how to be persuasive in presentations, part two of two. Hi everyone, this is Mike and welcome back to Manager Tools. Today, Mark and I finish our conversation on how to be persuasive in conversations. Last week, we talked about the persuasion matrix itself, the components of professional persuasion, and how the components make the matrix. And then we talked a little bit about how to place people, how to evaluate where folks sit in terms of the matrix. Now that we've done all that work, this week we're going to talk about how to use the matrix, what to do when you're in quadrant one, which just a reminder is strong relationships and weak expertise. Quadrant two, strong relationships and strong expertise. Quadrant three, weak relationships and weak expertise. And then quadrant four, weak relationships and strong expertise. So with that, here we go. Okay, so now we're going to go on what we refer to as our part two, which is how actually to use the matrix now that we've charted people right. on it. Yep, exactly. Okay, so let's talk about Q1, and that's um, strong relationships and weak expertise. These are people you know well, perhaps, but but you're in an area where they perceive you um, as as not being terribly knowledgeable. Um, this is not unusual when you're going into a new area or you're being asked to develop yourself um, or perhaps there's simply nobody available that has the expertise and, and you're the next person in the slot, so to speak. If you have somebody that you have put in Q1 where you have a good relationship with them and you have weak expertise, here's a way to think about it. Here, here's some things to do. Um, we recommend three specific actions. First, act, ask for expert help from your network. Uh, and I say first, I'm sorry, uh, there are three things. Ask for expert help from your network. Gather data. And when I say data, we mean objective evidence that your audience says they need. And also look for small wins. Okay. Uh, let's talk about each one of those in turn. First, ask for, uh, ask for expert help from your network. Okay. If in fact you have a good relationship with, with the person you're persuading or trying to persuade, but they don't perceive you as an expert, the thing to do is ask someone else whom you can leverage to be your expert, to speak for you. It may be that you'll have a meeting with the person you're trying to persuade and you'll bring this person along or you'll say, Hey, look, rather than looking at my data, um, tr trust this other person whom you and I both know or who either you know well and that person, uh, the person you're trying to persuade gives excellent credibility to regarding expertise, or they have third-party endorsements. For instance, um, they've written a book on the subject, or they're an outside consultant who has long, uh, long history in working in the field or whatever. And, and, and that person becomes your persuader. It may be that they meet directly with the third party, or with the person you're trying to persuade, or it could be that they provide you information or data, or they give you credibility by saying, look, I, here's the data that I have. In other words, you are presenting uh, uh, their information and the relationship is such that the relationship is the conduit for you to present their information. And it's perceived that 
your the information coming from you gives you the expertise or additional credibility on the technical side or on the expertise side of the equation for that person you're persuading. Right. That's one thing you can do. Uh, if you have strong relationships, obviously we hope that you have relationships with the kind of expertise you need. Uh, something else you can do is as you're as you're meeting, you know, we recommend you meet with people in advance. Obviously, we're not suggesting you try to do this all in one big persuasion meeting. You're meeting one on one with the topic with with the targets, if you will, of your persuasion. The second thing you could consider doing is gather data um, that your audience says they need. So, in a first meeting, in what we would call a pre-wire meeting w- with an audience member, with a, someone you're trying to persuade, you could find out, hey, what would it, what would you need? Um, what kind of information would help you feel better about this? Uh, about this effort we're going to consider or the budget we're trying to improve or whatever the case might be and ask that tell them to lay it out for you and then you go get the data that didn't come from you um so that they can believe that in fact data exists it may come from a third party it may come from somebody else in your organization it could become from a peer it can be from a subordinate or a boss it doesn't matter what you want is data not not your opinion but actually data that somebody would say yes i can see objectively not subjectively based on the relationship, but objectively that this data proves what it is you want me to do. Right. And we're not going to go into it here. We'll, we'll, we'll have to do a future cast on that. But for those of you familiar with the DISC model, you might imagine that folks with different profiles, the, t- the kind of data that they are looking for is going to be very different. Yes, exactly. And there are plenty of people who are put in persuasive situations who have strong relationships and weak weak expertise and think that the solution is uh, uh, more more relationship building. And that's not the case here. Uh, you've already got a good relationship with this person, but but they have doubts about the data. They have doubts about the details. They have doubts about the technical uh, criteria or components or whatever the case might be. And you don't want to simply say, well, you should do it just because we have a great relationship. You want to help them feel good about being persuaded, persuaded, and that means um, giving them data if, in fact, that's what they want. Yeah. And then, lastly, uh, look for small wins. This is, is probably not the best way to say it, but basically, if you give yourself more time by saying, "Look, if I rather than doing it a month, if I have three months, and you build your case slowly or early on in the project, you say, "Look, let's try, let's try uh, uh, doing a prototype, or let's try doing a small test, and and get them to agree to the test or the prototype, and have them look at the test results or the prototype, and say, "Look, this isn't me; it's not a relationship. You can actually see that this thing works, or this idea will actually work in a small way. You don't actually have to." To, to brief them on it, you could do this on the side and say, when, when people say, well, I'm not, you know, you're not an expert on Six Sigma. Okay, fine. But look, we already tried it. Uh, I, I went ahead and did it on a small scale. We used these four components of Six Sigma or the 12 components of Six Sigma or however many there are. And we've actually shown that when we do it this way, here's what we got. It's not a big win, but it's a small win. And this should help you feel better about the technical, the details of what it is I'm trying to persuade you on. And and if you can't do it in advance, what you do is you build a project plan that allows people to bet on your relationship with them and say, okay, I trust you, but you've got to give me some data early on in this thing that makes me feel better about the later spins, the later budgets we're going to, the, the later cash we're going to put out or costs we're going to incur. So show me early on that the test or the prototype or the, or the, uh, um, 
the skunk work issue, uh, effort that you make actually is provable that it makes me feel like, okay, I can point not to my relationship with Mark, but rather, look, the test worked, the prototype worked, the, the, the samples worked. Uh, and that way people can feel like you're getting expertise from actual data rather than just relying on the relationship. Good. Okay. Is that it for Q1 for now? Yeah, for now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For now. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I think one time somebody said to us, uh, gee, I'd like your, all your podcasts to be 22 minutes long. You know, if I could boil all the persuasion down to 22 minutes, we'd be billionaires, I think. Right? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. We're or, not or the quite. world would be, would be very simple, but. Yeah. The word would be very simple. And, I, and, I keep and, hoping and neither it will is true, be. unfortunately. Yeah. So, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Quadrant two, strong relationships and, and strong expertise. Yeah, probably the most important thing I can say here is don't don't uh, try to skate through it. Show respect for the people in 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 this quadrant as well as all the others, and dot your eyes and cross your t's, and don't just blow by them as if to suggest, well, I don't really work on that person. So look, uh, we recommend two things: do your work in advance with pre-wires. In other words, you're going to sit, you're still going to sit down with these folks. You're still going to talk to them about what they need um, and, and, and what's important to them. Uh, and then the second thing is be ready to compromise to maintain the network or your relationship. In other words, for these people who, who, who are likely to side with you, make sure you don't Assume it's going to be okay and therefore say, I, I, I don't have to worry about them. Be, be willing to say, what, what are your inputs? Because if in fact they have a good relationship with you and if in fact they have strong expertise, you want to be paying attention to them because they probably have strong expertise um, or they probably perceive you to have strong expertise, but they have good relationships with other people. So you definitely want to be listening to these folks so that you might be able to modify what it is you're, you're going to present based on their input. If you go into these folks and say, I don't need to compromise, and then they want you to compromise, you go, ooh, maybe maybe I actually evaluated them wrong. So don't get caught with your shorts down, basically. Right. And in this quadrant in particular, you have really a secondary objective as well, which is to continue to maintain the relationship. Yes, exactly. And yeah, you don't you have- want to just step on step on the relationship, say, oh, that's a good one there. We're good. We're good to go. I don't need to, uh, I, I don't need to invest in that anymore because it's already working for me. No, now's the time to invest in it. It probably won't be a hard pre-wire meeting. Uh, it'll be fairly straightforward, but doing your homework and, and listening carefully may alert you to other things. And maybe what you'll need to do is ask them for the other people that I'm talking to, let me show you where I am with them. And maybe you can give me some insight. Maybe, maybe in fact, the people who feel you have strong expertise and you have a strong relationship with, maybe you can leverage them in some way. Yeah. And, and I'd say that the objective here, given that this is obviously the best quadrant to be in, strong relationships and strength, yep. strong expertise, is set the bar a little bit higher. And the idea is to object with the objective of not only reaching a good decision, but reaching a, a, a great decision, maybe actually coming out stronger with some new information to improve the idea Right. As well as building a stronger relationship. So in, in this case, don't rest on your laurels thinking it's going to be easy. Rather, set the bar a little bit higher. Right. Good. Okay. Right. Quadrant Good. three, weak relationships and weak expertise. Yeah, I, I find myself yeah. here quite a bit, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll tell you what, if you're in doubt, uh, there's nothing wrong with pushing somebody over into this quadrant and, and really saying to yourself, I'm going to work hard at this. Um Okay, so um, we we have several things we recommend. First of all, extend your time. 
Also look for second degree of separation expertise or relationships. Focus on communication styles. He alluded to that earlier with the disc profile. Uh, pre-wire iteratively. And then I kind of joked that maybe you should pray uh, to whomever you <laughs> believe you should pray. Um, uh, but that's okay. It, it's all right. You, you, don't, you don't get to ignore these people. Right. You, you have to attempt to persuade them as well and showing people who are in this quadrant who don't believe in you expertise wise and you don't have a strong relationship with that you're willing to work on it. Uh, I actually is a big plus and most people just ignore these people. My particular favorite, we'll talk about it last is pre-wire iteratively and we'll come, we'll come back to that in just a minute. So let's talk about each of them. First of all, extend your time. We alluded to this, um, in, in the strong relationships, weak expertise, um, extending your time, you know, look for a test, look for a prototype, see if you can't, uh, uh, Start the project slowly to say nothing of giving yourself more time before you actually make your presentation. So extending your time really has two parts, extending your time before the presentation. So you have the chance to, to iteratively go through this and to perhaps compromise several times and come up with version seven or version eight or version 12 of your presentation that, that people can get behind it. And, and then as well, if you can't extend the time of your persuasion, you can say, let's extend the time before we start having to make significant investments by doing testing, doing prototyping. People can feel good about about, uh, the technical or specific industrial issues we're talking about so they can believe there's data to support their agreement of you. That's the first thing we do regarding ex that's, that's extending your time. The second thing is looking for second degree of separation expertise or relationships. In other words, find someone who has uh, a, a is perceived by your audience, by your target as a strong, uh, th they perceive them as a strong on expertise and, and, and the, because that person you may have a relationship with, great. Or if you don't have a relationship with that person, find somebody whom you have a strong relationship with that they can then influence that person. And I, a lot of times when I say that, you have to talk to a friend who has a friend, and I use that word loosely, um, that is perceived by your target, by the person you're persuading as uh, an expert uh, and hypothetically has a great relationship with them. People say, gee, that seems like maybe it's too, a bridge too far for me. Um, uh, you you may be uncomfortable doing it. We certainly respect that, and it is done all the time. Uh, a week doesn't go by where we're not taking advantage. Uh, taking advantage. That's the wrong. That's the wrong. The wrong term here. But Leveraging where, where, where we don't avail ourselves of those secondary and tertiary uh, relationships. Right. Good. And then our, our next point was to focus on communication styles. Yeah, this is something that if you have a weak relationship, one way to reduce the the strain or or reduce the effect of that weak relationship on your persuasive effort is to pay attention to the other person's communication styles. And we don't have time to go into it here, but using DISC as a model, you could say, okay, is this person dominant? Are they a sales type? Do they tend to be an engineer? And uh, we've got resources on the website that you can go look and find out more about this. And even if you don't have a great relationship, you can reduce the, the, the gap between you by by moving in their direction, by becoming attentive to how their facial expressions and their body language and the words they say and how they say them. And, and essentially for a period of time, 
you can be perceived as less different than them, and that will make the lack of relationship less of an issue for them, and they will begin to say, wow, maybe I just don't know this person very well. They seem to communicate in a way that makes sense to me. Um, a, a perfect example would be this. Um, I've often talked about my, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever done it on the air, but I've told many people that the greatest retail experience I ever had in my life was um, buying an iPhone. Um, and, uh, when I did it, I walked into the Apple store, which is assistant managed by one of our biggest fans, David Statler. And, and, uh, I walked in and I made eye contact with someone who had the phone or, or someone, a, a store, uh, associate. And I walked up to him and, and I believe he knew that I was not someone who loved to shop and uh, walked up and said, Hey, I want an iPhone. And he said, the big one. I said, yeah, the big one. And he walked over, got one behind the counter and, and I swiped my card. Are you still market manager tools? Yes. And I was out of the store in 30 seconds. Now he paid attention to my demeanor, my behavior, my attitude in terms of how he saw my body language and so on. And he determined I, I didn't want an experience. I wanted a phone. Um, and, and that kind of attentiveness is very, very powerful. And you can use that at any time. We're, again, we're not going to go through the whole disc model. But if you do that in, in advance of your meeting with someone, and you can talk to other people about it, and you can observe them as well in meetings that you're attending jointly, you can reduce the gap between you and them and increase the likelihood that they will hear what you're having to say because you're talking in a language they understand. If you, if, if you answer a question that I put to you, yes or no, blah, 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 and you say, well, I immediately, even if the answer is what I ended up wanting to hear, I immediately have a negative response to that. I'm not saying I'm right. That's just how, how I communicate. I like things generally short and sweet. Um, if you tend to talk a lot and you don't have a great relationship with me and you think that you're going to uh, convince me of something, if you talk a lot, it's going to be very frustrating for us. So pay attention. Do they talk a lot or do they talk a little? Do they ask a lot of questions? Do they tend to be friendly? Do they want to chit-chat in advance? Those are the kinds of things we're talking about, and we encourage you to use the DISC model to think about it. You don't have to have a DISC profile to do it. The DISC model just gives you a way of looking and thinking about people that will help you reduce the gap between you and them. Okay. And then uh, this is, you said your favorite. I think it's it's awesome as well, which is pre-wire iteratively. What do we mean by that? Yeah. Yeah, basically, uh, um, I'm sure at some point we're going to do a pre-wire cast. And uh, as you go out and meet with all the people that you're going to be persuading, it, whether it's in a meeting or over a period of time, if the first time you meet with them, they say they have three or four concerns and you're meeting with other people the rest of that week, for instance, you consider their concerns, go back and gather data and talk to them again and see what their concerns are then. And then you meet with them again. There's nothing wrong with meeting somebody who has a say in a decision that you need made three or four or five or six or seven times times and, and changing this and changing that. And, and I know lots of managers who are unwilling to do this step because of a fundamental weakness in communication and persuasion. And that is you should like my idea the way it is. And folks, if you haven't figured out yet from this cast and other casts we've done about communication and about the relative weakness of role power and the importance of relationships and expertise, uh, if you don't realize that almost no idea ever gets accepted lock, stock, and barrel straight through first time, then, then you're not paying attention. Uh, the fact is, meetings don't occur when everyone is in violent agreement. 
Okay, and I think Henry Ford said, if you and I both agree, one of us is unnecessary. You know, if Henry Ford said that to you when Henry Ford owned the Ford Motor Company, I'm guessing that he's not going to be the one that's unnecessary. The fact that that uh, meetings occur indicates that there is communication to be done, which means everybody's not on the same page. And the idea that your idea should be the one idea that everybody just rolls over and says, yeah, yahoo, hallelujah about, you're, you're crazy. So be willing to go through this four or five, six times if, in fact, you believe that your idea with three or four compromises associated with it uh, is, in fact, powerful enough. If you think right now that your idea cannot be changed and you're not willing to hear about any change at all, I really I feel badly we should have told you right in front of the cast, don't bother listening to this. Uh, and by the way, don't assume that in the long run you're going to get promoted too often because z- zealous uh, zealots are are generally not um, uh, well respected in organizations that require multiple people to get things done. Yeah, but we, but we think ahead because we do have some advice here for those who don't want to follow the rest of the advice, which is pray. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, if you want to believe in a spiritual being and you just don't want to follow the, the process, then you can just hope. I mean, for some people, hope is a method, right? Um, so, um, and part of the reason we joke about prayer is because if you have weak relationships and weak expertise, um, d- don't um, don't assume that this is a good situation and it's going to work out. Uh, assume that you're going to have to work hard on this and it's going to take time. And d- and, and uh, we suggest prayer as a way of getting over frustration, so to speak. Um, so so be willing to stick with your idea, recognize that your idea is going to change, and you're going to have to take some time, as we say in the beginning, extend your time uh, in order to be effective. Good. Okay. And then the last quad, quadrant four, weak relationships and strong expertise. Yeah. Uh, we, we have three things to recommend, and some of them you've heard before. Uh, one is asking for input during the pre-wire rather than selling, which I've just alluded to. Second is be quick to compromise. Again, we've alluded to that as well. And then look for second-degree relationships. Okay. So, they perceive you as being very smart, but you don't have a good relationship with them. So what you want to do is you want to, in a sense, kneel down to them from an expertise perspective and ask for their input during the pre-wire. Don't try to wow them with expertise or data. Say, hey, look, I really want to hear more from you. I'm willing to... to uh, uh, lean on the the lack of relationship and say, look, I, I want to share this with you, but I need your input. A, a person who's an expert who is willing to include uh, uh, input from other people who, with whom they don't have a strong relationship is saying, uh, is perceived not only as confident, but is also seen as being um, uh, willing to compromise. Right. And, and that and we, is powerful. Yeah. And the flip side of that coin is that those that are in quadrant four if you go in relying on your strong expertise where you have a weak relationship, the uh, the other person is going to see that as being condescending and other yes. negative attributes. Exactly. Good. And, and and by the same token, if you're going to be condescending, it's unlikely you're going to compromise. So be willing to compromise. When you hear input, don't be afraid to say, boy, I hadn't thought about that before. Let me see how I can include that. Now, when I say be quick, I don't mean that you should just roll over and accept whatever challenges they give. Rather, um, uh, you should say, hey, look, that's good input. I hadn't thought about that. Let me come back to you. Remember, pre-wire iteratively. Uh, let me come back to you and include that because I think that could make this better. 
So be willing to compromise and, and, and don't be afraid to say, boy, that's a great idea. Let me come back to you. Okay. I, I, when I say quick, I don't mean, I don't mean in the meeting, say, you're right. I'll get rid of this. I'll add that. Say, let me come back to you and then figure out a way to do that. That allows them to, to feel like they gave input and you to feel like your, your idea still has the merit that you believe it, uh, you believe it had all along. And then lastly, second degree relationships. Again, um, if you've got strong expertise, um, and, and you want to impact somebody who with whom you have a weak relationship, ask someone else to present your expertise in a way, it, ask someone else who has a strong relationship with the person who you're trying to persuade so that your expertise uh, is presented uh, on a conduit that has, uh, that has a long history, if you will, and that person can see, wow, this is really good knowledge and I trust the person who's giving it to me. That's essentially what you can do is turn it into a strong expertise and a strong relationship as long as you are not the one who has to present it. Good. All right. Well, that that wraps up our first cursory look at persuasion presentations, and we're going to have a lot more to come on this. Yeah, I, I really think that uh, once we get into more of the details of here are some ways that you can build relationships, here are some ways that you can be, build perceived expertise, and that's that's uh, hours worth of cast to come. I, I, I think this will uh, deepen, but by the same token, you can, I believe, with this cast, quickly make an impact, not only in terms of your analysis, but in terms of thinking a little bit more clearly about what to do with each of those people in each of those quadrants. So wrapping up then, basically, we, we shared the matrix. We, we know that there's role power, relationship power, and expertise power. And we know how uh, uh, role, we leave role power out. We've got relationships and expertise, and that creates a two-by-two two matrix in terms of strong and weak. And, and we shared, based on each quadrant, what, what uh, some recommendations for how one can approach a person depending upon where they fall in each of the four quadrants. If you do this, you're going to immediately become more effective. And we've given you a simple way to think about it that you could probably do it within five or ten minutes. Yes, there's more to come, but this is powerful all by itself right now. I think that's a good sum up. Good. All right. As usual, I think you left us with some some great tools to use in our persuasive moments that we have just about every day. Good. So thanks, my friend. My pleasure, partner. We'll see you. Well, there you go. That's it for this week. Hey, if you're driving in the car you'd like an easy way to go back and review notes, the notes you couldn't take because you were driving... Check out our premium content, available on the website for only $15 a month. You get access to transcripts, show notes, and slides for the content, not only for the new shows, but for the vast majority of the shows going back into the archives. So with that quick commercial reminder, we'll see you all again next week. So long.